Hey guys, and welcome back to the podcast. It has been quite some time, but we are here. Not sure what episode it is, but it doesn't really matter, does it? Rossi joins me today. Super cool guy. He was on on season one, and we had a great chat then, and we followed on from it here, talking all about his time back on the road, what he's doing differently now, and some general good advice for any upcoming producers and DJs. And before we start, let me just remind you that this podcast is sponsored by myself, the Syntho Electronic Music Hub. I am basically teaching you how to make better music, whether you are just starting out or you are already deep in the rabbit hole, but you need some new inspiration and some new guidance. I am here for you. You can sign up via the links attached to this video. I'm also going to attach a special offer if you want to give Syntho a go, which will be available for the first 10 people that sign up via the link. And yeah, that's why I do this podcast was, well, is to bring a bit more attention onto that. But to be honest, the podcast has now got a life of its own. But anyway, less of me waffling, more of us talking. Let's get into the first episode back of the Syntho podcast. Welcome, Rossi, to the Syntho podcast after... A year since our last conversation, I think it was over a year, and quite a long break from myself. I thought, what a time to bring it back, and what a person to bring it back with. So how has life been, man? Life's been good. Like, I can't actually remember when it... It was like mid mid of January 2021, I maybe? think it was mid-January. I think you were number four. I think we did Ollie Ryder, and then you, and then Casey. Yeah. Um, but yeah, life's been all right. Like, obviously, it's so great to sort of. It feels like back to normal in the UK. Like, I've been traveling a lot recently, which has been great. But what's really funny is now the difference of getting used to like traveling and how other countries are a bit more behind. So you start walking around without a mask on, and everyone goes mental at you a little bit because you're so used to not having a mask on over here and all that stuff. So, um, but life's been really good. Like. It's just been a whirlwind recently, um, but I'm loving it, you know. It's just, it's nice to kind of get back and sort of have those feelings again. And the initial birth of coming back after lockdown was amazing. And now I'm still sort of riding that high, but now it's sort of settled in, which is good. How have you found it? I found it amazing, to be fair. I have to admit, before, when we lost the clubs, I think I made it kind of vocal on the podcast that... I'd found a lot of things to fill the time that was once upon a time, the DJing thing. And I almost had this thing of like, I'm not sure I'll be that bothered when we go back to DJing, but I would, I can safely say I've fully got the bug back of of socialising with people at the weekend and, and playing records. And last weekend was the first weekend, I think in five weeks, I didn't have a gig. And I found myself literally twiddling my thumbs thinking, what the fuck was I doing every weekend before the gigs? So I think what's been amazing is as well, most of the gigs have been in the UK. Uh, for me personally, I know you did um, some really cool tours, but it's been good because I think there's something cool about UK gigs and, and it's easy as well because you don't have to worry about the whole traveling thing. So I've fortunately not had to deal with any of the downside of, of touring yet because the gigs have all been either uk or like france portugal where they're quite easy flying but i've got to say i'm enjoying it more than i thought i would enjoy it 
if you asked me this like 18 months ago, it was kind of like, I'll take it or leave I, it. Do you know what I mean? I, yeah, I remember like a really big feeling of like sort of um, apprehension about going back. And like, even on like the first week, I remember my first weekend back was Mint, um, Mint, Mint Warehouse. And that was just such an overwhelming thing. But as soon as I mixed the first track, it was like, oh my God, I've missed this so much. And so since then, it's just been like, I just didn't realise how much I would miss just DJing. Like I love producing, I love making music, but actually like DJing, I absolutely love it. There's so much to it. And um, so having that back has been like a massive plus in my life. And it just inspires you, do you know what I mean? When you're going back in the studio, making new stuff. Like I think we all got so used to just making music just for a different reason for a little while. So then going back to clubs, you have all of this inspiration again and just going raving, going to different events and stuff like that. It's just been like the best thing again. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a grateful moment, you know? Yeah, and I think a special shout out has to go to the government, whether we like it or not. As a DJ who has toured at the countries, England did a fucking good job at getting things back to normal compared to all these other countries and i think it seems to be the same old cranks that just constantly move the goalposts of what they're complaining about but i think if people went to some of these other countries portugal france they were super behind us masks the lots even the netherlands the netherlands have only just really kind of got back to it like a couple of weeks ago properly and that's that's mental do you know what i mean so and that's not even, you can get there in half an hour on a plane. So the fact that we kind of have moved on so much quicker than everyone else has been, yeah, like a big thank you. I think they just, I think everyone was complaining so much that they just wanted to make people happy a little bit. So I just went, go on then, fucking have it. <laughs> yeah, I think I totally agree. But I think it was a good time for us DJs in the, well, when did we get back to it? It was like, it was July. It ended up being, it was July 20, uh, 21. That was because they, de they delayed it. They never actually went back to lockdown after that, did they? Because I remember with hide and seek, it was like, the whole thing was like, shit, can we really commit all this time, all this money to something which potentially could not happen? But I think we actually, we've not been shut down, have we, since that summer thing? So I think when you look at it, the UK got fucking lucky on that side of things. Yeah, we got out of it. Like there was that sort of three week stage step system that they were doing of, of reopening and everything. And I think, I think fair play. I think it was a gamble for a lot of promoters um, just because you thought, Oh God, I've got to put on an event like someone like yourself putting on hide and seek. Like that must've been just such a massive gamble thinking Jesus. But the fact that it has come off, is just amazing. So um, yeah, just, I'm, um, I think everyone can start seeing now. I think it is following suit around the world. And I, I just noticed, I can notice by, by the bookings that I'm getting in like the few months time as to where, do you know what I mean? And like what's opening up and stuff. So yeah. Yeah, I can say the same thing. I think, because um, what I noticed was I've had a lot of UK bookings, but there's not many UK cities left now <laughs> since we've opened up, you know, the ones that I've not actually played. And I think it's come at a nice time now that everywhere else has opened where um, next month is like um, Amsterdam, which is finally back open. Um, Paris again. Australia's opening up soon, I think as well. Yes, I think I'm doing Australia April the 20th weekend. So yeah, fingers crossed. I've, I've been asked about this weekend as well. 
So I might be out there at the same time as you, which would be good. Which weekend? The same one? That, that weekend, yeah. They've asked me about it. But I'm trying to make it work logistically because I've got other gigs around it and it might not. So we're just figuring it out. But hopefully I can because that would be sick. It's like a long weekend. That was the same. Oh, no, mine's the one after it. Mine's not the Easter weekend. No, but they're doing two, they're doing two long weekends is what ah, I spoke okay. to them about apparently. Sick, because they asked me to do that weekend and the one after, but the one after is the UK bank holiday weekend. So like the one after that, I'm full. So I just said they're going to do the one week, but obviously um, 24 hour flight. Yeah, it's just a lot. <laughs> especially just, especially like if you're going just for one weekend, it's crazy. But like I've got, um, I've got a cousin who lives in uh, Melbourne but he would probably just travel up to Sydney. So half of getting out there as well would be nice to see him. So I'll probably go out on the Monday and then fly back. Well, if I can. Well, I'm doing the Monday. I, do, I just don't know if I can because of other stuff, gigs-wise, logistically. But we'll see. Hopefully I can. Because if, if we can be out there at the same time, it'd be wicked. Because Sash, I just loved it. I've, ever since playing there, I've just wanted to go back so badly. that I just loved it out there. I had the best time. Sick, yeah. It's definitely one that was always on the bucket list. And to think what we are now, it's literally like a month away. So fingers crossed. And if there's fellow British faces there, even better. So how was um how was the South America tour? South America was great. Um it, yeah, it was my first like proper tour out there. I'd been to Brazil before, but for literally one gig when I first started. You know, when like you first start gigging and like you get offered just to go play in Brazil. And I was like, yes. So I went to Brazil for just one gig and came back with the start of my career. Um, but that was really fun as well. But but yeah, South America is great. It's really fun, like um, just playing in a different continent properly for the first time and just seeing, I love traveling and seeing how different people experience music and how different people rave. Do you know what I mean? Like out there, you just generally play longer sets. Um like, I think I played minimum, like, five-hour sets out there. I played in Chile, uh, Ecuador. Uh, I was meant to play in Colombia, but it didn't happen because of restrictions. Um, and then, was there? I'm sure I played somewhere else. Oh, I can't remember. But it was amazing. I had the best time. And just uh, the, the vibe I got out there, they're very, like, I, I sort of started playing a lot deeper sort of sexier sort of stuff just for like a longer amount of time. Like I played Lost Beach, um, which is somewhere I've always wanted to go to. Um, but yeah, it was amazing. I loved it. And just the people are great. Um, I can't wait to go out. I'm going back there in May and doing like Uruguay, Peru um, and somewhere else. But it got cut short because they were introducing different restrictions in different countries, um, just all around Argentina, things like this. So I was meant to be out there an extra week and then I came back early. Well, I didn't come back early. I ended up stopping off and going to the Dominican Republic for like four days just to have a chill because I was knackered. Um, but yeah, loved it. Loved it, man. Have you been to South America? I've not. I actually got offered something amazing this weekend, but they could only do one weekend again. Um, and when you're traveling that far, on paper, it obviously sounds like immediately, oh, let's go and do it. But I think the traveling, the traveling fucks you up, man. Because it's it's like it's literally a day a day to travel in it. Yeah, man, and it does it does mess you up. I think it's just all about saving your batteries when you can. Like if you can get out there for a good two, three week, even one month tour, like it's just great because you can really one. I think it's really important to immerse yourself in the culture as a DJ while you're out there. I think just getting out there and 
and kind of like living out there for a bit, touring around, you can just get a feel for the vibe a lot more. Um, and just as a DJ experiencing it in that way, I think is much better than just one weekend because you come back and then you're knackered for the rest of the week and productivity. I just don't think it it helps just doing that little one little weekend somewhere. Yeah, I think I've um, started to think about that because when I was more of an aspiring DJ, it was like, oh, I'd snap your hand off to go and do go to these places. But then when you start looking at the the travel time and all that stuff, and then, um, yeah, I think two weeks is ideally what you want to do. Yes, and like I've, I think especially now because like traveling wise, with COVID testing and all this stuff, there's so many variables that can go wrong. Um, luckily I haven't had any, like, I haven't had any issues. I've not, not, ha- not got into a country yet. I know some DJs have had really big issues where they haven't got allowed into a country for a certain reason or whatever. And I haven't had that so far. It's all been plain sailing, but it's just the difference of like, when you used to just go to the airport and have your passport and boarding pass, it's great. Now you've got your COVID test, your passenger locator form, all this stuff. And I mean, look, I'm not complaining because my job is amazing. But it's just like all of that stuff. You've got so many sheets of paper and it's just like, yeah, just for one weekend, just even that alone, I'd say maybe might not even be worth it. <laughs> yeah, we did um, after Capasile, me, local dub, then we had two of our mates and um, I literally, we did you and me on the Friday, you and me Saturday, we played Locust Sunday. You done Locust that, Locust, yeah, I saw you at Locust, yeah. Yes, yes. You and you were dressed as the ghost. The ghost. Yeah, <laughs> I remember when I first walked in as that ghost producer. Everyone, it's so funny. I loved it because obviously now when I go to gigs and people know it's me, people treat me as that. They go, "Oh, Ross." But me walking in in like just a ghost sheet outfit, everyone's walking, looking at me, going, "Fucking hell, who's this?" Like just about Jimmy out of the way, and like I was standing behind the decks, even you lot were looking at me like, "Oh, who's this weirdo?" It's fucking. Brilliant. I that was it. a good outfit, man. For anyone um, who doesn't know what on about, Ross wore a white bedsheet with the word ghost across him, insinuating ghost producer. I went, no, I had I had a producer written across me. Oh, sorry, that was it. Ghost, then with the producer on. Yeah, because Seb from Local Dub didn't actually get the joke till the next day. <laughs> that, that outfit was good. Yeah, that outfit was good, wasn't it? And he was like, what do you mean? I was like, the, the ghost producer. Like, oh my God, didn't even get it. So you just thought I was a ghost. <laughs> I've, I think I've, I think most people thought that. Yeah, it, it took me a second. Took me a second. Yeah. It's the easiest simple costume because you don't have to put that much into it. You just have to throw a bedsheet on your head and turn up. But it looks really effective. Um, but yeah, that week you went to you went to Capocile. Yeah, so we went. Um, you and me on the Saturday which I was like, right, I've got, um, this is a marathon, not a sprint. And it was me and Reese in the daytime. And it was like two days before the party and, and local double like, ah, oh. well, it was a meal. Specifically said, oh, I'm not getting smashed on Saturday. I'm just going to turn up late. I'm not getting dressed up. I'm like, fucking hell, lad. I'm getting dressed up. Like, this will be one of the sickest parties. Like, it's the biggest party we've done. All this stuff. Anyway, we I got proper dressed up. I did the Pharaoh. Them two end up getting dead dressed up. We fucking played in the daytime. Yeah, I popped in for a bit. Oh, you came there as well. Yes, we did. That was a sick, sick party, wasn't it? So we did the day party. um, And then I played at the loft till three in the morning as well with Reese. And I was like, right, I need to go. Then we got the train to Locust at like 11 a.m. The train stopped at Stafford, which is miles away from London. No more trains are running. 
I've literally had two hours sleep, get off. I'm like, oh my God, this can't be happening. So we had to get off the the train. We had to get a taxi to London between like five of us. Um, then we got to Locust. We played 93. In the end, I had to, I had to move my set. I was up playing the main room. I played. I remember, yeah. Yeah, because we all played. We all ended up playing in the room two. Uh, but to be fair, we cleared room one. Everyone came to yeah, room two. Yeah, <laughs> because I, 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 remember, I, I remember when I got there, like I walked in the main room. I was like, oh, there's not a lot of people in here. And then I looked in the, um, your room. I was like, fucking hell, it's busy. And I knew I was playing the main room. And then they come up to me and they asked me, they were like, what room do you want to play? And I was like, I could either be the DJ that like, jumps on like that room just because it's busy or like sort of trust in my source and hope that people come in for my set and luckily enough people Funny, did man. which is yeah 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 you, you humbled us man we were all laughing like yeah we just cleared room one everyone's just coming to our room because to be honest like i will admit on the way there i said to them i was like watch we'll clear that main room if us three are playing together because we knew some people there as well um and we quietly because we had we started it was empty and i was like oh fuck this was running off like three hours sleep or something as well so i was like oh this could be a long night anxiety central yeah sometimes yeah. that happens yeah but anyway we were like yeah we're the men then soon as you started everyone went into your room <laughs> <laughs> it was brilliant like five minutes before the set i went to the toilet and i was like i just so i went all right if you if it's if it's a room where it's just like 30 people like i don't care how many people in a room i'll play to that crowd and make them have a good time i give a fuck but obviously you want to play to a full room i went to the toilet and i walked straight back in the room and it was full and i went oh okay i was like all right let's go um yeah people just had enough of us eventually <laughs> yeah i think especially like I think stuff like that as a DJ that I think is very, I'm so grateful for all that stuff, you know, especially when I'm in London, obviously that's my hometown. So the support is just very, very real. And everyone's been, everyone's amazing, man. I just love all the support and stuff. Yeah. So we, we did that one. Um, I was like, after the set, I was the sensible one. They're not like lads on tour constantly. So I was like, right, lads. I, I remember, oh, yeah, I, re I remember seeing them at it and they were having it at the end. Yeah. Yeah, they were all partying. I was like, right, lads, I'm going to go back to... I think I went and got some food, you know. I think I got a McDonald's or something. But anyway, I went back. I I knew we had to be up early for the after Capacile trip. I realised on the way... I'd realised on the way to London, I hadn't even got a test done. I was like, oh, so coming back to what we are saying about the travelling, I was like, shit, I've got no test. So fortunately, someone we were with, Tommy, had a spare test. So we were there like... They're bad at work. They're, at the best of times, it's hard work doing a test. So we're on the train trying to do it, like pouring your... I don't think we even did them. You just pour your water on them, whatever you do. Anyway, did all that. Did all that. And then I got the, somehow got the email and all that shit. So we got there okay. And then we were on the way. We were literally in the airport. And the airport's tiny, that Venice one we were in. The yeah. queues are huge. Yeah. And we, we got there late. And we got to the front of the queue. And none of them had done the passenger locator forms. Uh, Luckily, I just did mine in the queue. I don't know why. I was just like, I might as well just do it now because I knew we'd have to do it. And literally, they were like, you can't come through without that. And it's carnage in that airport. They were like, you need to go over there and do it. Get out of the way. And I remember everyone was literally dripping in sweat off the third day of partying with like no... I think they hadn't even slept, most of them, so... I think uh, well, I'm throwing them right under the bus here, but they yeah no no one had slept <laughs> no one had really slept and we were trying to uh, 
navigate through the airport. So yeah, that it was hard work. Yeah, that's what I mean about the traveling thing, man. Especially if you've got a few days in a row gigging. Even if you have slept a little bit, but say your set finishes at 5 a.m., you've still like a lot of the times that recently I've had a few gigs recently where it's like my sets have finished at six in the morning my pickups at 10 a.m so i only really get like three hours sleep even if i'm not having a drink uh, you're just whacked anyway so with all that stuff like it's just about looking after yourself and but mentally preparing and like just getting so used passenger locator forms test but the testing thing's a bit better now because once you're vaccinated then it's like you don't need the test anymore which i tell me it's all a load of crazy stuff really but yeah, we won't go too deep into it, but it's um, yeah, I, I survived that one nicely. Um, that the after Capacillo one. And how did you find it there? That place, it's unbelievable, right? Ah, uh, it's it's so weird because I, I well, there isn't loads of content online of what it is. It's just this. It's it literally is a spaceship, isn't it? It's um, amazing. But man. you drive to it, so they, we got picked up in two separate cars. Soon to got in the car, tunes are blasting. It's middle of nowhere, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, get in the car, tunes are blasting. We were like, oh, guys, we need to go and have a shower, all this. They're like, you're not showering. You're coming straight to the club. Uh, bearing in mind, we've literally just, we're on day three of partying. So like, right, fuck it, let's go. Got straight to the club, got changed in the club. Like, people are in the club partying and we're there, like, getting changed. Um, got two burgers. We all just got some food down us and then that was it. We just partied. Um, but it finishes at midnight. It's crazy. Yeah, it's because because it's it it's well it start. I think from what I know from Matia, it started as an after party. They just done like sort of after parties back in the day, and they would start at sort of seven a.m. and carry on all day until midnight. So that's always been the ethos that it just it doesn't go. It starts in the morning and goes all day and then into the to midnight. So yeah, it's a funny one because you then end up chilling afterwards. Well, yeah, because we're like, right, what do we do now then <laughs> when it gets to midnight and we've all been like, we're fully in party mode. Um, and we're like, where's the after party? And everyone's just like, no, oh, no, we've got work tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> You've got work tomorrow. Um, so yeah, we ended up uh, going back for a classic hotel. Um, Chills. Yeah. After party. Office. Yeah, it wasn't a chill. It was, um, it was a, it was a. Yeah, little bit. You managed to get beers. This the story will be saved for another one with with local dub. But in the short of it, we went out the hotel. We flagged down a random guy, couldn't speak a word of English. He took us to a local boozer, um, like ten minutes away. Then he wouldn't take us back, so we had to pay ran these two random randomers twenty euro to get us back to the other side of wherever we were. But that story is for I'll save it for local dub so they can tell it. But yeah, it was a that was a sick one, man. That the club. It was weird, actually, because when I turned up and I started playing, I, I felt like I didn't need to play big bombs in that room for it to go off. Like, I almost felt myself that, like, they didn't want huge, like, build-ups and shit. It was more like, for this, I played three hours, so I actually started off, like, really steady. Probably the steadiest I've started, because I was the UK, I always felt the UK, man, people just want it from the, from the word go, do you know what I mean? The, I feel like we lack, a, we lack a lot of patience in a lot of the raves in England, but Everyone felt pretty educated there. Sorry, I was going to say, like, as a DJ, if you play in the UK a lot, you get so used to just, like, I think searching for, like, the the energy and just trying to, like, give people the energy because that's what people like over here. So, like, it's funny, yeah, I'll let you carry on, but, like, especially playing in a place like that, they're just, there's so much more room for exploration. Yeah, one thing I've noticed in my own DJing um, recently is, because I played a lot of UK gigs, is almost getting addicted to that, the reaction, you know, and trying to tease that 
that moment constantly. Chasing the raw, chasing yeah. the... Whereas you, I've, I've, what I've learned over, especially this sort of coming out of lockdown, you can actually watch people just enjoy themselves without making any noises. Like I played in Antwerp last weekend and in Antwerp, like they're a very techno city, but this club, it was one of my favorite nights I'd had in a while. And it wasn't because it was like a massive reaction night. It was just a night of watching a pretty full club just enjoy house music and rolling beats and stuff. And like, sometimes those nights are just as good. Like instead of just a craze, like obviously we all love a big reaction and all this, but I just love seeing people bop and really enjoying themselves, you know, getting into music, enjoying their friends, stuff like that. Like. Yeah. I, th I think, I think the reactions give you that confirmation that what you're doing is going off, but when the club is not really that kind of vibe and you've got no reaction, it's just trying to be able to believe in yourself that what you're doing is the right thing. I think for sometimes to me, it's I'm like, oh, maybe I need to play something a bit harder. Do you know what I mean? But when I take a step back and if I go to a club sober, it's like if I'm having a good time, I'm usually just chilling anyway. I'm not like going like that to have a good time, you know, if I'm listening to someone else play. But some reason when I'm playing sometimes, I'm like, ah, oh, this room isn't going off. I need to try and do something to create a, create a moment. Do you know what I mean? But I think over time, more and more, I'm thinking about just like sticking to my guns, pacing myself you know and two hours takes quite a long time in the end but if you start to hammer it out um you can just be you lose sense of like the journey and things like that i think yeah especially if you're playing for like over over the two hour mark like if you're hammering it out straight away you're just gonna like your energy is just gonna start sapping unless you've got enough ammo to keep energy and i know djs who are just like they have the energy there and they keep it there and that's where they're at Whereas like it's so much funner to just like take them up, take them down. Like sometimes recently I found myself wherever I've been playing, starting with energy, then going through the middle and letting it simmer down and get a bit more rolly in the middle and then bringing it back up towards the end. But it just depends where. But I think like you say, especially after Capricil and a lot of places in Italy, like when I played, there's a place called Cla uh, Classic Club, Buongiorno, uh, Buongiorno Classico it's called, it's in Rimini very similar similar vibe as well like you can really just let your music do the talking and and let the just let it roll man and they'll just whistle and curl like they just love it man they just oh i love the vibe over there yeah i think it's cool because it's now finally open again properly because that they actually shut after we played and i believe they've only just reopened maybe like two weeks ago i think or maybe even a week ago because i I played a couple of under the radar gigs for them during the lockdowns, which um, which were just like, I think they invited a certain amount of people and it was in the garden. And the garden's like, it's really special. I loved it there. Like I played an edit that Azad made of this track um, by Luco Batisi, I think he's called. Um, and like before I went, Az sent it to me and I was like, oh, I'm going to play that on Sunday and see how it goes down. And I played this edit of this Italian track and they all started singing along. There was a geezer at the front who was crying and he was like, oh, oh, Rossi, da, da. and like, whenever I go over there, they say, Rossi chair, Rossi chair. And like, that's what Valentino Rossi says when, um, when he wins, like the commentator says when he wins a race. So when I got over there, they were, the first time, the first time I played there though, I was like, this was before, like I was actually a little bit like more established, which I was really surprised when they put me, I played on a night on New Year's day but they'd done a 24-hour party and I was on after DeWalter and that was like really daunting because I was quite young at that time 
and hadn't played a sort like I think this was one of the more mature places I played. And I'd seen like Trauma had played there, Shonky, all that sort of stuff. So when I walked in there, and that was in their winter room in the indoors, I walked in and I was actually, that was the most nervous I'd ever been for a gig. Just because I was like, oh, I'm just this little kid and I'm turning up to this place where all these people really like music and just more culture, like people were cultured about music and understood it a bit more. But as soon as I mixed the first track, like you said, I allow, I, I, could see by the crowd that they would just go where you take them and you could go as deep as you like or breaky or big or organy or whatever and they'll go along with it and I've really learned a lot doing that set it gave me a lot of confidence as a DJ from then on really so yeah I have a lot of a lot of love for after Capacilla yeah I agree um, um what is your internal dialogue like when you get some of these big gigs now because when I'm getting some of these I'm like Jesus Christ because one of it's like, shit, I've always dreamt of doing this as well. But then it's also like, now there's an expectation of when you do the gig. Do you have any pre-match rituals or kind of anything that goes through your head before these big shows? Um, I don't have any pre-match rituals, really. Um, like, and I mean, when I get told about them, sometimes it's like, like there's certain gigs that I've got and especially this year that I've, when I found out, I was like, fucking, oh my God, can't believe that. And like things that I've, I've, I've always imagined one day I might do as a DJ, but especially might not have happened this early on. Um, but I don't think, I don't think I have any rich pre-match rituals. I kind of just keep telling myself, like I've learned a lot in the past year, just trust in your source and trust in yourself. Like I I got here by being myself and doing the things I I do and the the hard work that I do, so just keep doing that. Do you know what I mean? Like, and if if they think I could do it and people want me there, I could definitely do it. Do you know what I mean? It's I think there's a lot of um, uh, uh, room to not allow yourself to enjoy it all because as soon as you find out about it, you think, oh my god, can I do it? Am I actually that good? Like because I I I and I still do suffer with it. It's like sort of imposter syndrome when you see yourself on a, a lineup with your Jamie Joneses or whoever you love or something, and you start thinking, "How the hell am I on that lineup? Like, what the hell is going on?" You think you think you're kidding everyone that you're actually a good DJ when you're actually not. Do you know what I mean? Or you're kidding everyone that you can actually make music when you have no idea what you're doing. Like that's what sometimes I sit there thinking like. But then actually I go, "No, like I've really worked hard." and uh, what I'm doing and I've got myself here and I'll just keep doing that you know um so before a gig it's not like I don't have a ritual I wish I, I know some people have certain things that they have to do I think I, I'm I sort of meticulously go through the playlist that I'm going to play off but then it just all goes out the window when I get on the decks but I just kind of have to go through it so I know in my head where everything is but then when I get on the decks it just flies out the window usually yeah I think what's interesting about planning is I've tried to spend more time planning recently, but then also if I sit back, I know that the sober me who's in a good headspace can go and smash any gig without any preparation. But sometimes I feel like I've actually over-prepared recently and I've had too much of this kind of preconception of what I'm going to play and I've suffocated myself. I've actually found myself in situations recently where I'm like, I've planned all these playlists and like the order I was going to play. and I've done too much to the point where I'm like, wait a sec, I got it wrong in preparation and now I'm trying to pivot to what I think is the right thing. And the conclusion is that I need to try and find a happy medium between DJing be something of um, spontaneity and freedom and interpretation in the room. But also there is that side of 
planning and premeditating what's going to work well? I, I, how I plan my sets, I plan four different openers usually. I won't pick one. I'll pick four and then I'll put them at the top of the playlist. And then when I get there to the club and I see the vibe, because you might get there and the guy's playing a lot more mellow than you thought he would. And then you can't just come in with that energy or you can, but you might not be right. And then you think, okay, what do I go? Do you know what I mean? I sit and once I have those four, then I know where I'm working off of those. Do you know what I mean? And there's like a kind of like a route map that I have maybe from those four tracks. But I know what you mean because I there was a point where I where I really started getting into gigging and stuff. I was really sort of pla over planning a little bit. And then you get almost more anxious once you're on the decks because you're like, oh, well, I have this plan. Uh, I, I think this this track goes with this track. Can I, uh, can I move away from that? And you find yourself just sticking to one playlist sometimes instead of just flicking through playlists going, oh, I remember that track. I'm going to play it. Do you know what I mean? Those are usually the best moments as a DJ because when you're a bit more chilled and exploratory on the decks, you allow everyone else to relax in the club. And I've, I've noticed sometimes if I'm just sitting there going like this all the time, really worrying, you people can tell by your body language sometimes how you're playing, I think. So just like cool, calm and collected is the best way. And just don't overthink it. Like I, I keep saying it, but just trust in yourself. Like, you know, you know, you can do what you do. You've done it a hundred times. And yeah, sometimes you get to certain places and it's not what you thought it was, or you, maybe you didn't read the vibe correct. That just, it's always going to happen. You're not going to nail it every time, maybe. But it's just being relaxed and enjoying it. Like, I think everyone, when you really get into this as a profession, you can find ways of re really um, being anxious or not enjoying it and not remembering that this is the thing you love doing the most. So you should just have a smile on your face and remember how amazing it is. And once you have that, and I know you can't have that attitude all the time, but when you do have that attitude, usually better things happen. And you do, you work better. I do anyway. Yeah, I agree, man. So homegrown, uh, I believe you were up something this week related to that, weren't you? Yes. So last... Or was that something else? No, la last week I put out my se second batch of merch. Um, so we had the the first capsule and then this was the second capsule, which was like slightly different designs and now T-shirts as well. And so that's what we kind of... But it took eight... The, the process took ages because of COVID. There were so many issues with the deliveries and stuff. Um, so it took a little while longer than expected, but it's finally out now, which is great. And then the next step for Homegrown is my label, um, which I'm starting. I've, I haven't actually announced this yet, but I can talk about it on here. I'm starting exclusive. in exclusive. Um, I start, it's like end, end of May, first week of June will be the, the first EP coming. Um, and that's just just going to be me. Um, and I'm really excited to get that going because it's something I've wanted to do for a while and I've been waiting for the right time. And now it just feels like the right time because of many factors, um, which has been leading to this point, you know. So it's now about building the brand a little bit. So why the label now, not before lockdown? And why not, say, wait another year to the label? Is there anything specific you think is pushing you to do it in 2022? I think why the label now, it just sort of, uh, you kind of get a feeling of like, there's a lot of labels I've released on that I'm I'm happy to have released on. But then I sometimes find there's tracks that I show other artists that they like it, but they wouldn't release it on their label, but they'll play it. And I go, well, if you're playing it, 
and it's going off, but you don't want to release it on your label. I've had that quite a few times where people are like, yeah, but it's just not right for, not right for a label, but people are playing it. And I'm going, okay, well, if you're playing it, that you must like it. And I know when I'm playing it, it goes off. And also a lot of people messaging me about these specific tracks, especially in the first EP, um, have been messaging me about them. When are they coming out? Da, da, da. And I know they're tracks I love, but I'm like, if no other label wants them, you've got to just trust in yourself and go, well, I know I can release them. That, and I think most people get to that point where labels aren't signing the music that you really like because maybe it's not their style or it's slightly less energetic than theirs or more energetic or just, do you know what I mean? And that's when you really sort of, I think you get sort of pushed onto it with, with, with that respect, do you know what I mean? Because, and that's kind of where I'm at, where I was at at the start, end of last year, start of this year. I've not been releasing loads. My last release wasn't, it was like November. Um, so I haven't been releasing a lot of music purely for this reason because like I think we spoke about this last time but like the shelf life of music throughout lockdown was just so bad and like I wasn't ready to start my own label before lockdown and I'm really happy I didn't because um, it just wouldn't have been right for me it would just it wouldn't have been the right timing it would have been a little bit early in my career so now like I'm getting a little bit more established and more and more people are kind of on to me and my vibe my brand and homegrown and stuff it feels very right for all of those reasons and I'm just I'm, I'm excited about it before I was like very nervous to start a label but now I just feel very excited I think that's a really good answer man and it's something I've thought about a lot recently as in I'm making tracks and for example I would send Chris to see my tunes Gene things like that and I'll have the same tune being downloaded by Gene and Chris but then Chris might be like, uh, some of the tunes is too much acid for me, for example. And I've realized the same thing for myself that I've got to this point now of I've developed a sound I actually like, which has got a kind of hint of more old records, but still sounds a bit more contemporary. And the only label it actually fits on really is just doing it on my own label. And it's something that I've really found because I've actually like, I don't know which other labels I can really send tunes to now, which genuinely fit unless I deliberately try and make songs for a label. Do you know what I mean? But when I'm just making tunes free, like free, yeah. When you get in the mode of just making tunes for a label, it, it, I find that really difficult. Like I've, I've still got like this couple that I'm at the moment making tunes for specifically, but I find it so much more harder because you subconsciously have that label in mind. So you start thinking about the sounds of that label and what fits. Whereas actually the best thing to do is just make your own music and whatever they like, they'll sign. That's how I've, that's how I've always worked because then you're making music that's true to yourself. Do you know what I mean? That's true to what your sound is and has got you to where you've got to. Um, but yeah, like I, I agree with you that that's sort of been the same sort of thing as, as me with why I'm starting the label because yeah, it's just, it's, it, it's just that those tracks and especially the tracks in the first, first EP, I, they, I've I've only wanted to give them to certain labels that I've got. Okay, that's special. That okay, that's that's got a lot. I, I've got a lot of meaning to that that I want to be done in the right way. And so I've I've thought actually I tr only trust myself to put these out in the right way and get the I don't know just the the coverage that I want. You know what I mean from them. Yeah, and it gives the whole control piece as well of you can actually put it out when you want and things like that and from experience you can be waiting around for a long time if you're always relying on other people's schedules and things like that uh that was another thing i would say is that like 
when especially with your own label what you can kind of yeah have that control of just putting it out as and when you like um whereas yeah waiting around for other labels and their schedules the schedules for most labels now i don't know there's like a year waiting this maybe sometimes like so, minimum, so i've got minimum oh uh, yeah I, I, i've got i've got tracks that are coming out on this first ep of homegrown that are like at least two years old especially because if you think about lockdown started two years ago so it's like there's so many tracks that are just coming outdated and if you're making loads of tracks they feel old but i know for me, these ones are right because they're the ones that people keep asking about. And if you've been asking about them for this long, I think you're very interested in them. Yeah, this whole idea of waiting, it's, it's hard because when you make a great track, you want it to get out as soon as possible so it feels fresh. But also, if you sit on it for a while, the public will give you the hard, cold truth because when you play it in your sets, they'll either react to it or they'll ask what the idea is. Like, I know if I play a banger in my set, someone will get a video and ask me for it afterwards. So in theory, if you're road testing your own music for a good year, you'll be able to get quite a good, uh, honest opinion from people who've got no bias because they don't know whose tune it is, um, if it's good or not. So I think that's one lucky thing about touring because you can really give music a test run. But yeah, I think by waiting for... I think... Um, Mariano said that on the podcast. He waits like three, four years or something stupid, which I think is a bit too long, but he does that. So he really gets time to rinse the tunes. Yeah. And like, I mean, one of the tracks on this EP is around that old, but the reason I know it's, it's okay is because yeah, yeah, it's three or whatever many years old, but people are constantly asking me about it still. So I know there's excitement and hype about it. And also just, it's a track that I love. And I think it's got to, it's got to ultimately come from you at the end of the day, no matter what anyone thinks. Like, if I love it and I want to put it out, I will, because I, I that's that's me. And do you know what I mean? You, you trust, you've got to trust your gut and, and things, especially when it starts coming to your own label. Um, so yeah, all of those things sort of wrapped up into one is why Homegrown is starting now. Um, do you have any bu bucket list labels that you would openly say? Are there, any, are there any still that you've not ticked off that you want to? Or do you feel that now you're at a place of contentment and it's more just about growing your own platform? Um, I've, I don't, yeah, bucket list sort of labels. There's not loads that shout to me. There's a few that I do want to release on, but I won't say names. Um, but there's a, there's a few that I have in mind that I want to, which aren't sometimes like just dreamy ones. There's some really cool labels that I just want to release on. Um, but yeah, I think that's why, also why the sort of, I think everyone's in this realm of well, uh, as well. I keep hearing a lot of producers talking about, okay, there's not loads of labels I want to release on. Do, do you know what I mean? Um, so a lot of people are starting their own labels. It's becoming like the new sort of thing, I think. Um, but yeah, I don't think there's a massive sort of like bucket list that I have now. I think if something's right and it pops up, there's certain labels that, Maybe I wouldn't expect and then I get the opportunity to and I go, oh, actually, that would be a cool look, maybe for a remix or something like that. Um, so I keep letting things surprise me sometimes. But yeah, I think the focus for me now is especially my stuff and what I'm doing. Yeah, I think maybe it's a bold statement, but with the internet and the way it's going now, I think the label matters less than ever. Opposed to when I feel like, I was starting out, it was all about the label you released on. Whereas I feel like now people are disregarding the label a bit more with things like Bandcamp, SoundCloud. Look at Sweetie, man. Like, I think he's a great example of just, just DIY. Um, 
And I think now that, yeah, I think now Bandcamp exists and things like that and, and SoundCloud and Instagram is so easy to get people to play your music. I think the label piece actually is mattering less than ever. Maybe that's quite a bold statement, but. I No, and I think, uh, I think it still does matter in certain ways because of just like, it depends what you're wanting to do as an artist. But I guess, I guess you could say, yeah, the example of Sweetie. But I think if you are going to be that Sweetie, You've got to really dedicate it, like he has, and also just be—he's—he's—he's a—he's in, yeah, he's in his own league. Do you know what I mean? It's like he knows he's that good as well, so he can just do that. But if you're not willing to work that hard, and if you're, I guess, not as uh, as intelligent as a producer as that guy is, then it might not work as well for you. Do you know what I mean? And I think some people sometimes maybe make the mistake of going, "Oh, I'll just do that," but you're not comparing yourself. Well, not uh, I don't think comparing yourself is the right word, but you're not adding up the sort of the differences of you and uh, an artist like that. Like if I'd done what Sweetie done at the start of what I did, I don't know if it would have worked the same way. Do you know what I mean? Just because he was so specific, his sound was so like different, and you can just like, do you know what I mean? It's just uh, so he, he makes all sorts of stuff, and it's just. That that sort of there's so that's why I love the beauty about this though. There's so many different routes, but I think you're right. The label the label sort of thing is a little bit different because back in the day it used to be like oh I want to get a release on Strictly Rhythm when it was in the early nineties or something because they were the biggest label out there and they didn't release tunes. They released tunes in the US that wouldn't get released in the UK maybe or like records got sold over there. And if you got sold in the US really well, you could then get booked over there and become a bigger artist. And it mattered a lot more what label you were on and who you were associated to. I think association is still a big thing these days. But I think in terms of like as a platform, I think you're right. Like you can create your own platform a lot easier these days. And I think a lot more people are more inclined to do it because of the sort of control and stuff. But you have to understand that if you are going to do that, it, it is still going to take a lot of hard work and you've got to put it in yourself. Do you know what I mean? It's not all just going to, you're going to release one EP and it's just going to suddenly happen. Maybe it does because it's really good, but you've got to, you've got to put all the work behind it as well. Because what, what I will say about if you're releasing with bigger labels, they are associated to sort of distribution companies who are going to work your tracks a lot better once you have released them. Whereas if you're just releasing it on your label, you've just got your own network and whatever distributor you may use. But those bigger, say, hot creations or something like that, they've got a whole team that are working to get your tracks in those Spotify playlists or get them there. Do you know what I mean? So the benefits of having those bigger labels is because they will work your tracks for longer as well. They might work your tracks for the next six months, depending on how often they release. I think there's some labels out there that maybe release too much and you can just be another number on their chain. Whereas it's all about finding that right label that you think, okay, they're going to really take care of my track and get the most out of it that that I want. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think you're always going to be able to leverage what the label has. But I do think it's never been a better time for people to be able to do the DIY approach and almost grab the dog by the bollocks and just do it themselves. Do you know what I mean? With things like Bandcamp, etc. Um, there's almost no, there's no barriers to entry now. Whereas we don't, you don't have to go back too far. With I think Bandcamp alone has just made so many things possible for people because... Man, I buy records like on there, and then I end up seeing the person. There was someone from Manchester I bought his tune the other day, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, there's actually someone who's that close to where I am that I didn't even know they existed. Whereas if it was the whole label piece, who knows? It might have been like two years. But you briefly mentioned you you mentioned there about crews, and so you said what was it? Um, what was the word you used? The brands 
yeah, associate with different brands and things like that. And when he said that, I actually thought now, I do think it's less and less kind of a thing as much as people staying in brands. I feel like now there's very much a crossover between everything. Whereas I feel like when I was really an apprentice and and just raving and, and not doing this as a career at all, people were very much in crews, I think. And then as time's gone on, I feel like everyone just plays for everyone now, which is a great thing. But I think there's also something magical about having this almost teams thing where people are in crews and, you know, back in the day, you had your hot creations thing and obviously the fuse thing and all these, all these different things. Yeah, I think there's like pros and cons to to all of it. Like this sort of attraction of crews and like, because then you kind of cultivate a vibe from that crew and then you really get a sort of wave of of culture from that, which is that that's I think the importance of crews. And I think there is still sort of, I uh, like, I think in the, the DJ world, it's like, you could say crews still exist because it's like, yes, okay, there's a certain amount of crossover, but maybe you might not see Gene on Earth playing back-to-back with Rossi all the time and you're not going to see Raresh jumping on. Do you know what I mean? There's still that sort of, there's lines there, you know what I mean? So it's, I think that still exists, but maybe I think within the realms of the same genres, people are definitely crossing over a lot more um, and collaborating a lot more, which I like because... I don't know. I think we're all headed towards the same goal. We're all trying to build um, and and just make people have a good time. You know, I like I like seeing things that are somewhat different sometimes, and people pushing the boundaries as to what they think are the the allowed norms. Do you know what I mean? I agree. I really like the idea of collaborations and and fresh things. You know, like for hide and seek, we've spoke about all sorts of names, and we've got different people on this year to the well, as a vibe to last year. And I think it's really cool, but I'd have to say I've noticed it more and more each year. I think like more commercial things, booking more underground artists. And then you almost see the more commercial artists coming and do an underground piece. Um, it makes for a fascinating watch. Even more like I've seen a few sort of under, I won't name names, but I think a few more underground, you'd call them maybe headsy artists who are releasing on, less sort of underground labels sometimes now i think everyone's sort of like fluttering about a little bit which is nice to see because i think it's an exploratory time and i think we're at a really special i feel like i i don't know i don't know if you feel like this but we're at a special time where you're sort of when i grew up all all you ever kind of heard about was jamie jones marco carola like uh martinez brothers and loco dice and it was just don't that was it for such a long time you Seth chops and everything whereas now there's just such a big wave of new people coming through going on to the and new parties um like stuff like yourselves and the animal crossings appetite in london like there's there's so many new waves of parties coming through that are starting to solidify themselves as like the next generation you know and so i think it is very exciting time we live in yeah i think i said it on the podcast and that a lot of people were just getting booked before the pandemic because they always dj'd and they were the kind of a stable part of the scene whereas the pandemic gave everyone that break and then artists that kept up with the time stayed active during the the pandemic things like that then come out the other side stronger well as bookers i think we feel more comfortable as well not having to go for constant big name pullers like we just did dj chizza and velasco and did like a really nice number of tickets whereas pre-pandemic there is not a chance we would have gone for um like we wouldn't have done a party without that 
that banker, do you know what I mean? Whereas now we feel much much more comfortable going for that. That's what I noticed after lockdown is that people just started going out because of going out sake and because of like people just started going to clubs because they were those clubs instead of knowing what lineups they were. Like people have just become a lot more exploratory and just gone, oh yeah, I'll just go to that. Like I, I think I've I've just mentioned them now, but the guys Liam and Elliot uh, and then that the whole Appetite crew, they just sold out fabric in this and they sold it out within a de- within less than 24 hours on not a massive lineup and that's fabric do you know what i mean like that's the whole of fabric and like the lineup isn't like there's a lot of local people on there but there's also just there's not there's not someone you would say there is like a a, a massive ticket ticket do you know what i mean but i i respect that so much i think it's incredible and i love it yeah th- They've done a really, 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 really good job because they actually booked me. I think did we play on the same party. We play, yeah, we played on the same party at ninety three a while ago. Yeah, that was when I was after you, but I'll be before you next time. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but yeah, uh, that was a good party, man. I think I could see from the off they've created something which people are super excited to go to. Um, but yeah, f- fair play to them. I think we've really we've done literally more tickets in like the six months since lockdown or whatever in the whole six years before which is just crazy man um but i think people are now i think it was a combination that for us it was all the hard work we did before it then combined with the fact that people were gagging to party we then had a trusted brand because we still saw have noticed as well some smaller parties then jumping on the bandwagon and then struggling and then looking around like wait a sec like why why is it not busy here but it's like well you start to build the we put the groundwork in before which then fortunately meant that we were the trusted party that people then thought we'll go to them because we've seen them around a lot they must be good and then because we kind of got their foot in the door um they now keep coming back which has made being a promoter way less stressful than the five years before yeah i think so it's like you've got to what I've seen from other artists and brands and stuff like that, you've got to allow people to get get your vibe before you then even start delving into parties. Like people always ask me, oh, are you going to do homegrown parties and stuff like that? I'm like, not yet, man. I really want to really set my foundations and tone and stuff like that before ever delving into any of that. I think there's just such an easy um, uh, way you can get very excited um, and go, oh, I just want, I want to do it all because I see it all happening for other people and stuff like this. But it's like, like in anything, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And just enjoy every step of the way of like, okay, setting your label and stuff like that. People who have done it well, like recent, recent Jamie at BU, they just have built such a nice vibe around their label. And now their parties they're doing, they've just started small at Star Lane and now they're starting to build out and they've already got a sort of little cult following in that tiny little place of Star Lane and that they're just building out of. And it's really working for them. I respect it. I respect them a lot as well for how they've done it. Yeah, that's the advice I can give to anyone watching this. If you want to do a party, just start small and grow with the demand. So go to the bigger venue once there is actually a demand to go to the bigger venue. I've said before that a mistake we made is we had fucking a lot of demand on this small venue, but then we took a too big a jump up. And when demand is nowhere near the supply of tickets coming to the event you'll find it's hard but when obviously demand is over the supply then everyone wants a ticket then so i think if you can always try and gradually go up start at 50 go to 80 100 150 ideally i know it's like 
it's quite hard to find them small venues to begin with but i think you can really you can give birth to something super special if you start in a small place i, I think you'll know as well when you've got people who can't get into the party you're going, okay, maybe it's time to expand. And then you try to build to that point again at that place and you just keep moving up and up. Yeah, I think so. So advice for people. I want to try and give something back in all these podcasts. Is there anything that you've really reflected on this year since coming back or anything maybe you would have done differently in the earlier days now you are sat where you are? The earlier days of, of actually... Um, producing i don't well when you say now is there anything you think like ah oh, i could have done that differently i could have done this differently or is there any kind of lessons that you've picked up from from almost like round two of your career now we're on the other side of lockdown that you weren't doing in round one um wasn't doing in round one i'd say i guess wasn't doing in round one i wasn't um oh, i don't i don't maybe i was then i was trying to say like the, the my advice if you're really going to get very busy and I touched on this last time is like your time management time management and and scheduling and things like that because I've got getting to the point now where and I'm sure you have this because you have your brand and you've also got a festival it's like there's so much to think about away from just making music as well do you know what I mean and so uh, the sort of management of time giving yourself time to just chill as well as making music um but uh, do get in the balance of everything because sometimes you can get all in your head and then you don't get anything done because you're thinking about trying to do a hundred things at once. That's, that's I think every day. that's like my, yeah, that's my lesson, especially I'd say in a more recent time is like coming back after lockdown, gigs started happening again. And I wasn't used to just suddenly traveling every weekend. And then in the weeks balancing everything to do with me again, because I was so used to lockdown having all the time in the world. So actually scheduling your times for things, times for looking for music, time for making music, time for your projects of your own brands, time for, say, if you've got a clothing label, how that's going to work, times for uh, what gigs you've got coming up, times for any cool projects you want to do on the side, all that stuff. It's just like there should be a, a, a massive balance in your week for that. Um, and I think my advice to anyone starting out, if, if it's like, if I could give myself any more advice, maybe if you really want to get into this as well, I would say like really try to learn the theory of music sometimes, because I have found that like I, I could make a beat at the start and I put all my time into try figuring out how to make a beat. But then I sometimes found I was coming to a crossroad where I didn't know theoretically a lot that much about music and i think it would help a lot more if i did do you know what i mean um so do you mean like do you mean just things like do you mean things like scales chords and things like that scales chords even playing an instrument i think there's so there is so much more you can do if you know how to whiz it up on a piano i've been in the studio with people who can just pull, do you know what i mean ideas just flow out better and that's something i am now pushing myself to learn a more um and and get into piano lessons things like that like get into into music um, because I think at the start it was just a fun hobby. I was like, oh, I'm just going to make a beat. Whereas now I think it's, I don't know, I think it's, and it allows you just to be a bit more creative. Like 
I, I, I'm finding myself, I'm wanting to collaborate with singers a lot more now or collaborate with guitarists or get a drummer to come in and play live on my track, even if I can't play it. Get, get as creative musically as you can because it's going to allow you to be different. So many people are making music that just sounds like everyone else at the moment. That's, that's just, and that's always going to happen, but it's like, how are you going to be different? Maybe just get a bit more musical with it and get raw with the music. Like, yeah, like get a drummer in, get a guitarist, get a sax in, get to try, push the boundaries of just not just in the box Ableton or something. I think that's a little bit of advice I would give. I like it, man. I think I've really, really got into like the Smiths or the rock like um, Foo Fighters. So I would love to play the guitar, but it's just one of the things that it's just doing it for long enough in it to see the, well, it's like making starting Ableton all over again, isn't it? I think the first six months of, of like really going around in circles isn't fulfilling, but then once you kind of get over that, um, that learning curve. Yeah. It's going to be like with anything. And it's just like, getting away from that daunting feeling of like the uphill look of like, oh, this is going to take a while for me to learn. But the longer you sit thinking about that, the less time you're doing it. Do you know what I mean? The, the, and there's, we've got a whole life ahead of us. There, If you manage your time well, you've got more than enough time to figure those things out and really learn. And I myself need to give myself that advice sometimes. Do you know what I mean? That's probably why I've brought it up. Um, do you ever take days off where you just do nothing? Yeah, I think it's really important. Because I think there's time, there's days where if you if you've gigged at a weekend and you've been uh, and you've been traveling loads, um, you usually it's a Monday because I think everyone is coming off the weekend in in our sort of uh, field of what we do, and it's the sort of day where okay I might have to make decisions on gigs I'm doing and stuff like that, but I can put it off for a day. So usually uh, every now and again on a Monday I'll give myself a day off. If if I ha- if I haven't had like a weekend off or something like that, like I had from Dece- December to um, was it last weekend or the weekend? No, not last weekend. The weekend before, where I hadn't had a weekend off, um, and I'd say like a weekend off. Like obviously it's great, and I'm not saying oh it's a slog, but like from December to then, like because I was on tour and I was gigging. Then when I came back from tour, I was to gig straight away, and I was just every weekend. When, when you're when you're preparing, I, I started to realise this sounds really like, woe is me, I'm a DJ. But actually, once you really start getting into it, you kind of, there's sometimes where you're working seven days a week because you get in the studio on a Monday, you're making tracks, you're preparing music um, for the weekend, you're finding new records because you don't want to play just the same ones that you've just played before the weekend. And then like me, I was working on the homegrown clothing and stuff like that so I was doing everything in the weeks then going playing at the weekends then back in on a Monday and I realized I wasn't I was working like actually giving working most days every every day on something and I hadn't had a day where I was I just had a day off um and then luckily a weekend came around two weekends ago where I had the weekend off and it was the first time on a Saturday that I had a bath and watched the football and it was like it was it was amazing and I think to allow yourself to just have that day and have that break is so much more valuable than anything, at least. Do you know what I mean? At least once. On the Saturday night, did you find yourself twiddling your thumbs wishing you were playing or were you quite content with the chill? No, no, I was I was quite content actually that Saturday because I because it had just been since like December to that point. And I think I was very content. I was like, yeah, okay, this is... But then after that weekend, I was like, I'm ready to get back to it now. Do you know what I mean? It's just that 
that one thing. So, um, but yeah, Matt, I think in anything, you've got to allow yourself some time to yourself and time to just do do the things you want to do, normal things. I think I, we touched upon it last time, but just doing normal things in the week, playing football, all that stuff, like you've got to, you've got to kind of find the balance. So before we finish, any producers that people should be checking out? Producers. There's, there's a dude called Wadder. I don't know if you've seen Matt. Wadder. I recognise the name. I don't know why, but I, rec- I think maybe I've seen some of his shoot. Has he released stuff or not? Is it all unreleased? Um, he ha- the stuff I've got of his is unreleased and I know he's got some releases coming up on some labels that I know I won't say it because I don't know if I can but he's been making some sick uh, music um, I'm actually just gonna I'm gonna go on my my playlist now I'm trying to think of if there's any other names of people but definitely that Wada guy I've been playing loads of his music and it's just been going off um, I'd say he's the one at the moment who I've just been yeah sitting He's the kind of newest person. I'm trying to think of any other names. There's your mate. Who's that? Wait, so, oh, Jensen. Yeah, yeah. He's he's been making. He makes wicked music. Yeah, honestly, he's he's one. Of the, he's a really, 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 really good producer. For anyone listening, he's gonna be your future favorite producer. He just needs to. Uh, he works nights at Amazon, you know. So he's he's just, he's, on, he's on his last week of working nights. I always see him. His his Instagram stories are very funny. Um, but he, um, yeah, because he's he. I played his his edit of like, I want to rap right now at Warehouse Project, and it bopped off, mate. It was like unbelievable. And yeah, he sent me a few tracks that I like recently. Um, yeah, those two at the minute, Wadder and Jensen, really good. Nice. We'll link them below. What are you gonna say? You said do things differently. My other question was: Is there anything you do different this year to to previous? Just in life in general. You, sometimes you you ask these. I remember last time you asked these questions. I have to really sit and think about. Um, is there anything I would do differently? I'm gonna do differently this year. I know this sounds really weird, but like it, I'm really trying to eat better. <laughs> I'm really trying to eat better and very much look after myself before like different as to what I was before lockdown because I put on massive amounts of weight the last time I was touring so I'm really trying to think about getting the right sort of stuff in my body but so it hasn't gone well of recent times <laughs> the past the past yeah, the past few weekends and stuff, it's just been when you're just moving around, you're in the airport and you just grab a burger because it's just the only quick option. It's like Yeah, it's airport food, man. I I'm so bad on like I eat pretty fucking good in the week. I I'm so bad when I'm going to gigs in the airport. It's like the airport put something over you, like just go and get a big pastry and a burger. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a massive curse, man, because I just think sometimes I'll, I'll be really hungry because the, you'll go through days where you're traveling all day and I just haven't eaten and I want a big plate of food rather than just a salad or something because I'm, I want energy because I know I might not eat for a long time if I'm going to go play at a gig. So I end up eating your pasta. Pasta's a good one, but like I had, I've just had way too much pasta pizza burgers recently. It's just been too much. So that's something I'm trying to get onto. But there, I think there's some guy who's messaged me on Instagram about like um, meal prepping and things like that. But I don't think it works as well if you're traveling abroad. Um, no, it's hard work, man. 
yeah, but even with just for the weeks and stuff like that, just getting, I'm really trying to look after myself because that's like, yeah, you helps your wealth, mate. That's the main thing. Well, I always now do my lunches for every day, do it on the Sunday, which is easy if you're not playing the gig. But then that means since the new year, I pretty much made myself my lunch every day. I always eat healthy breakfast, but I'm a weekend offender, man. I just love eating out. Yeah, that I, I think that's that's fine at the weekends, you know what I mean? That, I think that's fine, but if you're really doing it well in the weeks. However, a scary thing is if you're starting your weekend on Thursday night or Friday afternoon, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, that's three out of four, three out of seven days, that's nearly half your week. So... Um, that, that's to play um, devil's advocate on my bad habits. But yeah, I'm just, um, but fucking hell, if you take away, if you actually take away eating nice meals and shit, what else are we living for, man? Yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? That's the the hard thing of like, oh, being healthy and stuff. I'm like, just enjoy your life. Like I've, uh, especially of this year, like I had a lot of personal things happen in my life sort of last year that just taught me a lot of lessons of like, life is way too short and you've just got to enjoy it for every minute, especially so much about what's going on in the world at the moment. It's just like, you just don't know what's going to happen next. And I think love the people you love, eat the food you love and enjoy every second of it because you never know when it's gone, you know? Mic drop. So Ross, anything else to add? Maybe some... um homegrown link below and is, is the merch on sale now or are we still waiting for that yeah the merch 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 is on sale now we'll put the link below um and it's um there's mo it's nearly all sold out so if you haven't heard of it now go get in um and yeah keep an eye out for my label because that's starting soon um i'm gonna be sort of starting drip feeding the sort of promo in the next couple of weeks which i'm really excited about so yeah keep an eye out for that and Thanks for having me, mate. You're very welcome. It was the first one back. I'm trying to make the commitment to do one a week because I do know that if I actually did this podcast for a long time, it would actually get me somewhere. Like, it would become something great, but it's just a, it's just a big commitment to do it every week. But I enjoy it, man. When when I do it, it's, it's, it's really enjoyable, but it's like the thought of, cause you've got to get the, like, align with the other person's schedule. Mm. Even me with this with this one, I messed you around a lot because of my schedule. Well, I messed you around, I think first, then you messed me around, then we got here. But I think that's what I mean. So that then you kind of you kind of tiptoe around your whole week. Then before you know it, you're like, it's, I'm like, shit, it's Thursday, man. Um, but yeah, for everyone listening, um, like, comment, subscribe, share it. If we get a, the more views we get, the more chances the podcast will take off. So um, yeah, just like, comment, subscribe, and send your mate.